Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, I'll get right to my first guest is uh, attorney Bakari Sellers, who served in the South Carolina House of Representatives from 2006 to 2014. You'll see him regularly on CNN. He is a political analyst on CNN, and he brings the truth. So welcome to Urban Forum Northwest once again, attorney Bakari Sellers. And, uh, you know, today is uh, January 6th. So we want to start out by having you reflect on did you ever think you would see January 6th last year? And did you ever think you'd see how the momentum that is gaining with the Trumpites right now? Well, first, thank you for having me. And, you know, I, I when you say that I tell the truth, I, I try to speak my truth to power and, you know, hopefully make my dad proud and, and you proud as well. So I stand on those shoulders. I got to acknowledge that first. Um, I, you know what? I, I can't say that I'm surprised um, because I felt like, the president at the time, the 45th president, was building towards this for a very long period of time. I think that the rise of, and, and I want to be extremely clear with my words, but the the rise of white domestic terror in this country, and people are like, what are you talking about? White domestic terror, why do you have to, I mean, you have to remember, I'm from South Carolina, one of my good friends was literally killed in a church with eight others just because of the color of their skin by a white boy who they let worship with them. Um, you've seen Charlottesville, and then you saw what happened on January 6th. There is a through line with all of these things, the killers of Ahmaud Arbery, et cetera. And so, you know, I think that we've been building up to this. I can't say that I'm surprised. I, I hope, and my prayer, though, is that the Biden administration and, and Merrick Garland in particular uh, hold these folk accountable. I mean, that's the only way you can root it out, to hold them accountable, and we just have to wait and see. Now, you mentioned uh, <clears throat> there, uh, there seemed to be some criticism of Attorney General Merrick Garland in terms of, I guess some people are saying, the pundits are saying he's moving too slow. What is your impression of the speed that he's going? He's moving with deliberate speed. And we have to remember that hundreds of people have been uh, arrested, charged. Many have been convicted. Some are serving prison sentences. I think there is this impetus, and, and there should be, um, by those of us watching, pushing this administration, pushing the Department of Justice to punish those individuals and hold those individuals accountable who helped pay for the insurrection, the members of Congress who helped um, guide this insurrection, holding them accountable as well. And I think that there is a sense of urgency that has to be had, but the Department of Justice, as you know, uh, Mr. Rye, they, you know, prosecutors, etc., they build a case. They're not worried about what people are saying on Twitter or Facebook. They're building a case. And so I have faith that Merrick Garland is building his case. It may not be as fast as we want it to be, but I think it's coming, and it's going to be, a, it's going to be an airtight case as high as he can take it. And, and uh, in terms of uh, the roles, of right, right now we have a number of the Congressional Black Caucus members are, are chairs of major committees and also of subcommittees. Uh, how, how do you grade them right now? Well, the House has done its job. I mean, that's, the House ain't the problem. I mean, it, it's your best friend, Joe Manchin, who's the problem, Mr. Rye. We want to be honest about it. It's, it's Kirsten Cinema from Arizona that's the problem right now. This administration has a has – a, they have two issues. One, and this is a traditional Democratic problem. It was a problem that Barack Obama had. It's a problem that Joe Biden has. They don't communicate their successes very well. I mean, what, what do I mean by that? Um, if we recall – when Obamacare passed, nobody knew what was in it. The administration took for granted what they had done. And it wasn't until Republicans started to try to take away 
the things that were in Obamacare, did we actually realize what was in it? So that that's first. This administration has to communicate their successes from um, the transportation bill to shots in arms to uh, COVID relief packages, millions and trillions of dollars on the streets. Um, so that's that's probably the first thing. The second thing is, and probably more importantly, you have to give people a reason to come out and vote again and again. And without passing criminal justice reform or voting rights, that's what I'm holding my hat on with this administration, and that's what I'm pushing them for, that we elected you to go out here and do this. And we gave you the House, and we gave you the Senate and the White House. We want criminal justice reform, and we want voting rights. Quick question. Uh, and uh, I think that was uh, Congressman Cleaver when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He said the Emancipation Proclamation, the Freedom of Slaves, wasn't a vote in Congress. It was an executive, executive order. What is the possibility of having the same kind of executive action for voting rights and criminal justice reform, or either or? So he's correct in that. Um, <clears throat> that's a very technical question. I'm glad you asked it. You probably got to get one of those uh, UW constitutional law professors on to, to help you, or your daughter, who's probably smarter at constitutional law than I, to, to help you with this. But my, my first shot at it would be to say, that an executive order as expansive as necessary for criminal justice reform simply would not work um, because we're trying to do things in different sections of uh, a statute, particularly things such as uh, lowering the standard whereby you can charge officers with federal criminal uh, civil rights charges, um, eliminating qualified immunity. Those things probably could not be done by executive order. But what could you do? I think you could ban chokeholds by executive order. I think you could create a database of officers who commit bad acts. Because did you know, Mr. I, that you can actually um, get fired from um, the police department in Seattle for just beating a bunch of folks? And you can go to Tacoma and be chief of police because there's no database that your bad acts go into. Or you can go down to L.A. and be a deputy or a sergeant after you get fired from the Charleston, South Carolina Police Department because there's no database. And so... I think some of those things could be done by executive order. In terms of voting rights, um, the answer to that is no, um, because as we remember, how, how we got that right to vote was bestowed upon upon us in the um, with the Voting Rights Act um, in 1964-65, and so um, we would have to go in and change that act, and that couldn't be done by executive order. What would you propose that be done to ensure that all people, especially uh, black folks, uh, have maintain or or retain our right to vote because the way it's going right now it looks as though uh, we're going to have some people in the secretary of state's offices and other positions uh, and the, have the state election boards that can just disqual disqualify voters. How can that's we prevent enough. that from happening? That's why you need uh, the reauthorization of the Voting Rights Act. That's why you need the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Act. I mean, that's why these things are so important. And I, you know. I would, unfortunately, there's not much we can do because this rests on the shoulders of one person. And we need a carve out in the filibuster for voting rights. I mean, it's just that simple. I can tell you how to get there. Making a man do something, though, is something that just, I can't, I can't figure it out. Um, you mean man mansion? Yeah, I mean mansion. I mean, it's, it's for me, it's not about a, it's not about an election. It's about the fact that my father nearly died so that we would have the right to vote. People did die. People paid right. the ultimate price so that we would have access to the ballot box. I mean, what people forget is that in 1982, 83, 
Bob Dole, Bob Dole, the United States Senator from Kansas, led the effort to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act. And now you can't get 10 Republicans to be on board with it. I mean, that's just how far the Republican Party has, or how much they've changed. Yeah, because one of my mentors was a Republican. His name was Dr. Arthur Allen Fletcher, father of affirmative action. And, and the guys, I mean, I go way back to the, almost at the beginning of the Black Caucus, and I know that uh, Weaver and uh, Sam Jackson and Brown, all those guys in the hierarchy and HUD and, and transportation work right with the Black Caucus. But that was, you know, they had 13 or 14 members, but I'm just saying, we don't see that anymore. And how many uh, African-Americans uh, do we have in the House of Representatives that are Republicans? Are, are there two? How many African-Americans in the House that are Republican? Uh, you have Burgess from Utah. I want to say you have three and none of Oh, well, three, and then you have Tim Scott in the Senate. So four. You have three or four that are Republican. None of them are members of the CBC, though. No, I, I understand that. And none of them vote for anything for black folks either. I, I see that as well. So I was just well, that, serious. That, that all, that all, you, you have done nothing but take state facts with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, just amazed that, you know, uh, well, I guess they'll represent their constituents. Because after all, we did have a like a Larry Elder in uh, in uh, you know in California that was going to try to unseat Gavin Newsom, and he was their their Trump guy. He out Trumped uh, the white guys, but yeah, he's well, been consistent. I mean, they, he's been consistent with his with his with his message his message though. True, but I, I just can't say that uh, you know I'm one of Tim Scott's constituents, and I can't say that he represents he 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 definitely uh, doesn't represent me so. Well, I think that uh, most knowledgeable black folks will say the same thing to you, attorney. He didn't represent them either. He certainly don't represent our interests. That's a, that's, a, that's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. I would, I'd just like to have you, before we have to go, I want you just to share some wisdom on how can uh, African decisions of the United States, because you know, I've been consistently asking members of the Russian Black Caucus, we need to have a federal designation for African descendants of the United States enslaved. And to have... I, a, a department in every federal agency ran by us for us. Uh, that, I think that's the only way we're going to really get to anything. And folks are talking about, uh, and, and, you know, reparations are still on the table, but that's something we can have right now. So I would just like to have your uh, uh, comments on what do you think that we could do to better gain uh, equity and equality in our country? You know, that's a good question. I just had this conversation uh, yesterday with Black Enterprise and Mark Morial and a few others for a town hall that's going to air next week. I have this crazy idea, though, Mr. Rye. You tell me if it's insane or not, but I think that every black um, individual in this country that's a descendant of slavery should be able to go to public institutions of higher learning for free. I think it's equivalent to a GI Bill for black folks. Amen. Um, now, what, what do you think about that one? Now, I said amen already. Yeah. And, you know, and so I was I also. We have to ahead, have people. I think we have to have people who think critically about ideas, and I think that's one of them. What you talked about in every governmental agency, the funny thing about that, and I, I chuckled when you said it, is because we have diversity um, and, and minority um, departments in every agency. And, you know, Donald Trump went through and got rid of most of them, if not all of them in every federal agency. So we're literally rebuilding those from scratch. But the first thing we got to do 
is show up and show out at the ballot box. That's the first thing. And I know we do it every year, and they say, what are we getting for? But we have to be consistent. And then we have to hold our people accountable. And I need all of you guys to call Joe Manchin's office. I don't care what part of Washington state you live in or the fact that you're not his constituent. He represents he's, He is holding up legislation that would help us literally be free. And for me, that is a cardinal sin, and I am going to hold him accountable, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we pass the legislation that's necessary for us to not just – I'm tired of black folks surviving. In this country, black folk always have to survive. I want us to be in a position where we can thrive, and that requires Joe Manchin getting out of the way. Well, so you, you put in proper perspective, Attorney Bakari Sellers, and, man, we really do appreciate uh, all the work you're doing in the advocacy and the wisdom you dispense with on CNN during, when you're – you uh, have your turn at the at the at the bat, and uh, we're very proud of your success. And we look forward to uh, you continue to move on up the ladder. I think that uh, a higher office is awaiting you, my my uh, my brother. I think a higher office is waiting for you. Well, I hope so. Look, I got a new children's book coming out. It's called "Who Are Your People." Comes out next Tuesday, so pre-order today. It it allows young black kids and brown kids to be able to look at images of themselves and dream big dreams. So. Please go out and get who are your people and get it at any bookstore, Amazon, et cetera. Okay. Okay. Go ahead and, and, and send me that information. I'll put it on my Facebook page to make sure it gets uh, the proper notice. I certainly will. I certainly will. Thank you, my brother. Have a blessed day. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Attorney Bakari Sellers. Okay. Our next guest is uh, Lanisha DeBartleben, uh, the dynamic president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum that has been doing tremendous uh, uh, events. Uh, relevant events like uh, the 60th anniversary of the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s only visit to the city of Seattle and uh, had uh, Martin Luther King III come up and speak in several places. So, uh, Lanisha, I know you got a lot going on because we got Martin Luther King Jr. Day coming up, the holiday coming up on uh, the 17th. So why don't you share with our listeners what NAM will be doing uh, to uh, commemorate that day? Well, thank you so much, Eddie, for having the Northwest African American Museum on the show today. It's so good to be here with you, your listeners, and attorney sellers. I'm excited about his children's book that's coming out. We look forward to getting copies and distributing them to young people in our community. But the Northwest African American Museum is really uh, thrilled to host a virtual King Day uh, celebration on January 17, we will be commemorating the life and legacy and leadership of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. with our community, with the keynote speaker being Nikki Giovanni, poet extraordinaire, phenomenal educator, best-selling author, friend to Seattle. She's been here numerous times, and she will be with us virtually to really focus on this quote that Dr. King said during his life. Dr. King said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. So the theme for this year's King Day is the poetics of infinite hope. And Nikki Giovanni will take us uh, on a path uh, to, to get to that inner sense of hope that will allow us to get through these really hard times that we've been experiencing individually with our families, with our communities, with our country, uh, with this pandemic and, and beyond. And so we are looking forward to hosting that virtually 2 o'clock 
on Monday, January 17, and it will be rebroadcast at 7 p.m. We are grateful to Boeing for being uh, the lead sponsor for this year's Virtual King Day. And there will be a variety of components to that virtual program. The Northwest African American Museum's African American Cultural Ensemble, the Ace Choir, will be singing. We will have a uh, a step and a dance tribute to Dr. King and to the civil rights leaders of that era, both near and far, and a variety of other components uh, as a part of this virtual program. So we just invite everybody to tune in and to come together on King Day to really um, strive to become that more beloved community where our hope is um, undeterred, not distracted, not deterred, but determined. What is uh, the plans for uh, earlier that day, uh, the NAM and the NAM staff will be involved with? Yes, NAM is delighted to be a part of the citywide MLK a committee at Garfield High School. NAM will have space in place in the Garfield High School parking lot outdoors with the community. We will be bringing uh, hundreds of children's books, civil rights children's books, to give away free books as a part of our Knowledge is Power book giveaway. We will be in partnership with King County Public Health to offer vaccinations and booster shots to anyone in the community that needs or wants to get vaccinated. We will be collecting hygiene supplies to uh, share with uh, community members who are in need of hygiene supplies. So we'll have a Hygiene for Humanity supply drive in commemoration of Dr. King's life and legacy. We will also have a historical display, an educational pop-up historical display um, called Fighting for Hope, and it will look at um, Seattle's history um, of the civil rights struggle here in the 1960s. We will have uh, music of the movement, a playlist going throughout the day, just really cultivating this um, remembrance and renewal to the ideals that uh, Dr. King lived and died for. What kind of impact has this uh, COVID uh, virus had on the museums? Uh, uh, well, people being able to come and visit. Uh, is there, is that, it's still open? Is there uh, by a few numbers? How does that work? Right. Well, the museum has not stopped fulfilling our mission. Although COVID closed our doors, we have not at one moment to stop fulfilling our mission. We've continued to engage, educate, inspire, and um, be present for and with our community. Uh, one of the other components of the King Day program will be community leaders giving remarks during the program, but also some of them are going to be guest readers. They'll be reading children's books as a part of the King Day program. We're going to have a pre-show and a post-show of various uh, community members, community leaders, some you know, local community celebrities who are reading children's books because cultural literacy is so important. And that's one thing that NAM has not stopped doing even during COVID. We have an interactive story time every month and we do a virtual field trip to showcase and highlight a black business in our community. 
and we have uh, just a variety of virtual outdoor pop-up um, educational experiences for everybody in our community, from the littlest learners to our elders. And and that's that's great. Uh, do you do you have a couple of other activities that, that you're going to be uh, doing in the near future? Can you uh, expand on that? Absolutely. We are launching a new series called the James Baldwin Circle. We will be sh just centering and showcasing and being in conversation with journalists and writers, black journalists and black writers who um, use the power of the pen to help bring about equity, to move our society forward with equity on their minds. And we are launching this new series, um, the James Baldwin Circle series, in January, January 25th, with Marcus Harrison Green as the first writer to be celebrated and featured. And he just published a new book called Readying to Rise, and he's going to talk about that book with our community as a part of this program on January 25th. And so he will be deemed uh, the inaugural James Baldwin Circle Fellow, and that will be taking place uh, this month, uh, a week after King Day. We are looking forward to just a really robust 2022. We will be hosting our first-ever Teachers Symposium at the, well, with the Northwest African American Museum. We will be engaging uh, with... Um, teachers across our region on how to bring African-American history, art, and culture into the curriculum in ways that really inspire and ignite young people's learning experience. And we are in partnership with the Black Education History and Heritage Alliance called BIA, and that's comprised of Six organizations, including Black Past with Dr. Quintard Taylor, the Black Heritage Society, the Unspoken Truths uh, American History Traveling Museum with Delbert Richardson. It includes the Black Genealogy Research Group and uh, the Black Education Strategy Roundtable and NAM. We've all come together to really make um, Black education. Um, transformative for our young people's lives. And so NAM will be hosting a teacher symposium in February, Black History Month. We will be hosting our next Descendants series featuring the descendant of Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington. Mm -hmm. He will be um, speaking about um, his ancestor, both Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington. There was a marriage in that those two families. Mm -hmm. And he is a descendant. When, when, when will that event be? That's going to be where we're finalizing the date. We're okay, make sure you come. let me know about that. Yeah, we make we sure that literally you literally come to Seattle, but it may have to be virtual because of COVID. Oh, I understand, especially what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. But, uh, but I tell you what, I don't know if I'm going to be out and about. You know, I'm recuperating from sh shoulder surgery, and I can't afford to slip and fall being as old as I am. But uh, I really appreciate the work that you and your staff uh, that Jason Turner, he was like, hey, you got to come up here and do this film. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then and, and, and Andrea Moore and uh, those guys, you really have an excellent staff. And I really appreciate how they pay attention to detail, very courteous. 
even though when I stumble and, and mumble, they take they make sure that I'm on the right track. So uh, Lanisha De Barlamin, the dynamic president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, thank you very much for all that you do. Thank you, staff, for all they do. And I know that uh, NAM has a very bright future with you in the leadership position. So thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate you. Okay. Eric, we'll take a break right now and come back with our next guest after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Wright, back at Urban Forum Northwest. Thank you very much, Eric. want to welcome uh, Katie Harris. She is uh, coordinating the workshops for the Seattle Martin Luther King uh, Organizing Coalition's event on January 17th. Uh, John Birchie has uh, been uh, co-leading the uh, Opportunity Fair that has also been a part of the MLK, Seattle MLK event for the last four years or so. So I want to start off with the workshops because uh, there's going to be a, quite a few changes with this new Omicron variant now. So uh, Katie, why don't you go ahead and just share with our listeners exactly what's happening with the workshops. Okay. Thanks, Eddie. We are holding 13 virtual workshops on different social and economic justice topics. Unfortunately, we had to cancel our in-person lineup because we were just running into too many problems with COVID, of course. Um, But we will have 13 workshops over five days from January 11th to January 17th, or January 15th, excuse me. and we'll, we'll have three workshops a day on most days. And um, I'm happy to give you any more detail about that as you'd like. I would like to have, have, give our audience some kind of idea of what some of the workshops will be, uh, the content or the, the titles of some of the workshops. 
Okay, so the workshops fall into four general categories. Um, community organizing, um, strategies for community healing, human rights, and white supremacy and anti-racism. Um, so there's really a very broad array of topics. So for example, we've got um, a workshop on um, how to defend democracy in schools, another workshop on the rise of the far right and how people can do counter organizing. Um, in terms of human rights, we've got workshops on reproductive justice, on immigrant justice, and then something that's very interesting that was new to me, and that's something called auto decline. That is, um, the workshop is called Abolish Auto Decline, and it's about state laws that allow the juvenile justice system to decline jurisdiction over children who are charged with serious offenses, who are then tried in adult court. So this is a, a webinar about strategies and solutions to end this practice. Um, we've got um, community organizing workshops on a variety of different topics. So for example, there's one on labor solidarity across communities of color. And there's another one on um, BIPOC and transportation equity that, that's pretty interesting. It's about Seattle's different BIPOC groups that are leading transportation work that impacts communities of color. So it, it's kind of at the intersection of climate justice, mobility justice, unjust traffic enforcement, and legislative advocacy. Um, there's another one that's um, pretty interesting on the power of healing circles, and that one explores the use of circle dialogues to increase mutual understanding and practice restorative justice. So that just gives you a range, an idea of the range of workshops that we have. Now, I want to ask you, how can my listeners access information to uh, check these workshops out? Where can they find that information? They should go to seattlemlkcoalition.org and they will find the information on the front page there. Okay, Katie, thank you very much. Now I'm gonna to go to John Birchie, who's been one of the leaders of the Opportunity Fair that has been a part of the MLK uh, celebration for the last uh, few years, about three or four years now, but the last couple of years. So John, what's happening this year with that new outbreak of a new variant? Hey, Eddie. First of all, thank you so much for having me. And uh, boy, I can't answer any questions about what's going on with that variant. It's tough times out there for everybody, for sure. Um, but indeed, right, like Katie just said, and hey, Katie, happy new year to you. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're trying to put something together so that we have some access for the community to, you know, our former a fantastic event and, and create something online. So the Opportunity Fair is alive, um, just not as big as it was and not in person. Um, but, uh, you know, Washington State Department of Transportation has helped sponsor it and they're going to be there and are hiring with some open positions. Uh, Luminomics, another company dealing with lighting and needs all kinds of different um, both hands on and manager type positions. Um, and that list is growing of other, uh, you know, employers that will be there. Um, and some HR professionals, hopefully, to help people out as well. 
um, you already know this thing is, you know, been always been put together and run so great by my partner, Christina Van Middlesworth. Um, and so she's just not feeling well today. So I'm, I'm stepping in for her. To take Johnny, it from, always, you see, always stepping in and stepping out. So <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, but um, right. So, so. so uh, uh, but yeah, she's just not feeling well today. But Katie brought up the website, right? And this is exactly where you go to find out about uh, to get the link, and then how do you engage in? Right. Basically, it's kind of like a job fair, but it's online. So you go to SeattleMLKCoalition.org, like Katie just said, and you look on that homepage. That's where you find out about um, the Opportunity Fair as well. Anything that's happening that day is there, SeattleMLKCoalition.org. And so the Opportunity Fair um, window is 8.30 to 10.30 in the morning. So it's a get up in the morning type of thing on MLK Day proper. So January 17th, that Monday. 8.30 to 10.30, opportunity fair, chance to meet some employers and have access to some jobs. And this will be held where, John? This is virtual too, so it's right in your living room. You can get a bowl okay. of cereal and sit at your breakfast table and uh, you know get your computer and, and log in. And once you get in there, um, you, know, you go to seattlemlkcoalition.org, find the link there on the homepage, and you can sit with a bowl of cereal that morning and what you'll find is a lobby in a sense when you go in virtually and then there'll be directions for you. You'll see the names of different employers. And when you click on them, then you're into that room. and can have a conversation with people from that employer. John, do you have listen some kind of idea of how successful the, uh, the opportunity fair has been in the past? In the past, it's been really successful. And we, you know, we've been so excited because the success of it really is something that's growing. Um, you know, you're the one that built this. This is a brainchild of yours and, and um, Hayward's and, uh, you know, Christine and I are just glad to be a part of it. But um, we really grew it to, you know, several, several hundred people were coming through the opportunity fair and then heading to Katie's workshops. Um, and so, you know, we got those last couple of years registration was up over 300 people um, and multiple people from there were actually connecting to training or employment opportunities right from the job fair. Um, you know, unfortunately, due to the COVID, we didn't have it at all last year and just trying to figure out a way to grow it back because um, it seems like we'll be stuck in this mode for a little while. It does appear that way. So, uh, Katie, do you have any words of encouragement or any directions for the listeners in terms of getting additional information on uh, the MLK Day on January 17th? I would say go to the website. That's where the late breaking information is going to be. Um, the march and the rally are going to be held in person at Garfield and people can um, go to the website for very specific information. Masks will be required for participants. Both inside and outside, right? Correct. Okay. There actually are no inside activities. That's anymore. right. Okay. Um, because we canceled the in-person workshop. So it's just all going to be outside and it's going to begin at Garfield High. So if you don't want to wear a mask, don't show up. Exactly. Okay. That way we won't have any problems with anybody. <laughs> so, so John, uh, I'd like to have some closing words from you about uh, uh, during the day, during your regular job, you're dealing with the stuff like the Opportunity Fair every day. You're a training coordinator with the city of Seattle. And how does that relate to the, uh, to the job here? It seems like, they, you know, that's hand in glove kind of thing. 
Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say, you know, since, uh, you know, we have such a limited exposure and, and everybody might not be able to, you know, get into this virtual world and, you know, link up to the fair um, online this way. And so if you can't um, and if you're looking for a job or interested in any kind of job or career in construction, shoot, I'll help you directly. So, you know, grab a pencil on a piece of paper and write my number down right now, 206 five one two nine seven three seven again it's john bershey two zero six five one two nine seven three seven you're right eddie i spend most of my day every day helping people understand how to access construction careers um and at that point i'm not talking about jobs i'm really talking about careers that can last a lifetime that come with benefits and a pension too so if that's you or you got a family member that's heading that way give me a call i'll be happy to help you move move in there it's a very serious brother so if you were really looking uh what, are the, what is the starting salary for the apprenticeship, John? Oh, shoot. There's, you know, t- 25 different apprenticeships because there's 25 different, you know, trades. But a first year apprentice in any of those trades is making somewhere between $25 and $30 an hour to start. And then there's a benefit package on top of that. It is a process to get in, so it takes a minute. It's not like a job at McDonald's where you apply today and start Monday morning, um, but that's why I'm here to help you through that process. But these are living wage jobs that come with benefits and pension attached. All right. Well, John, I want to thank you for the information. I know a lot of my listeners can use that information. And Katie Harris, I want to thank you so much for all the work you're doing with the MLK uh, Committee in terms of the workshops. And people can now find out they will be starting on the uh, on January 11th, right? On January 11th, our first workshop will be at noon, and people pre-registration is required. So you can you can get on you can pre-register at five minutes to noon. That's just fine, um, but um, please pre-register before the workshop begins. Okay, then I want to thank John Birchie and Katie Harris for the work you're doing in the community and for the work you're doing every day, John and Katie, for the people. So we'll see you soon. And thank you very much for today. Thank you. All right. Happy New Year. All right. Now, Happy New Year. Okay, we'll take a break and come back after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. 
Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. All right. Thank you, Stevie Wonder and Eric. Uh, Eddie Rye back at Urban Forum Northwest with my next guest, who is Senator John Levy. As a matter of fact, I think he's going on his first month as a senator from the 44th Legislative District in Washington State. So, Senator John, uh, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest once again. And uh, uh, let's talk about how you got about to become the next senator from the 44th District. Eddie, it's great to be with you. And let me just tell you, I'm really, really honored to serve as the senator from the 44th. You probably know that uh, former Senator Steve Hobbs was appointed the Secretary of State, and that opened a spot up in the 44th District. I applied and uh, talked with the members, uh, went before the precinct committee officers, we call them PCOs, and uh, went before the county council, and I was appointed on uh, December 15th, and it's an honor beyond words to serve uh, in the state Senate. Uh, what is the duration of that of that uh, uh, seat right now? So, uh, the, the seat is going to be up for re-election uh, this uh, November of uh, 2022. Okay. So I will be running for re-election uh, starting uh, as soon as the session is over. Well, you know, I, I see you have an inside track being the former uh, county executive, Somish County, the former sheriff, <laughs> a state representative. I would think you'd have a real good shot uh, to be elected. Well, you know, Eddie, I get to I get to uh, speak about those things, but I stand on some broad shoulders. Your shoulders are, sh- are shoulders that I get to stand on. But there's also a John Lewis. There's also a, a Martin Luther King Jr. and a lot of great leaders. Uh, Bill Smitherman, who was the last black male, and uh, George Fleming, uh, the last two black males to serve in the state senate. So I get to I can't uh, fill their shoes, but I get to stand on their broad shoulders as I serve uh, in the Washington State Senate. You know, uh, Senator, as you mentioned, George Fleming, his. Uh, uh, Celebration of Life will be on January 16th at the Don James Center at the University of Washington. Yes. So I yes. want to make sure you, you are aware of that as well. So the I'm session really starts. Glad you made me aware. The session starts, and I'll also text you all the information. But the session starts uh, uh, next Monday. And uh, yes. what are the, your what are what are your legislative priorities for the next session? Well, well, the, the thing I want to do is I want to make sure that we continue to do the good work that we have done previously. Uh, I, when I say that, I'm talking about keeping good-paying jobs with benefits in uh, our state, uh, making sure that our schools are safe. I always have the same uh, uh, objectives uh, uh, when I, uh, every year that I serve. I want to see good, safe schools, good, safe roads that are not clogged with traffic, and jobs, jobs, jobs. And when I say jobs, Eddie, I'm talking about jobs with benefits. So if we keep those things going... And when I talk about safe schools, I want to make sure that our kids are not only safe in school, but that they feel safe in the school. So those are uh, those are my priorities. And they always have been and always will be. Now, the session, uh, this uh, uh, to start will be a little different due to the Omicron, the, 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 out, the upsurge of the, of the virus. So yes. share with our listeners exactly how the legislature go about taking care of its business and the people's business during that, this uh, COVID uh, situation. 
So, so we have a good process, and we did a lot of this last year. We will be meeting re- remotely, uh, having hearing bills uh, from home or from wherever we are. We won't be in committee hearings as far as uh, we'll be doing those virtually. And it worked well when we go to the floor. Uh, my understanding, I'm not sure what they will do in the House of Representatives, but I know in the Senate we're going to allow, I think, 11 members uh, from the Democratic side and uh, I think 10 from the Republican side to be on the Senate floor as we uh, speak to bills. But it, it works very, very well. The technology, we have such uh, great staffs there. and they could You literally feel you're there. It's not the same, but under the circumstances, it's the best we can do, and we will make the best of it. And in terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, jobs and, and stuff. Now, there have been some serious issues about uh, some folks being left out of the state pie in terms of contracts, jobs, and the fact that, you know, we found out recently through some research that uh, in 1998, uh, Governor Gary Locke issued uh, Governor's Directive 98-01 was really the instrument that killed affirmative action. And since that time, we've seen a precipitous drop over the last 23 years of uh, African descendants of the United States enslaved black folks been there 400 years uh, of our level of participation. And it's come down to the point now where 21 different organizations and individuals from the black community have filed a discrimination complaint with the U.S. Department of Justice. It was filed, I think, November 22nd by Barb Armstead. So I don't know if you were aware of that or not. Uh, I'm not saying anything unless the Justice Department say anything because it's on them now. But are you aware of how poorly that African-Americans are doing than state with state business? Well, yeah, Eddie, I am. And the last time I was on your show, I remember you actually bringing this point up. And I want you to know this. Uh, because of you and because of some of your listeners and because of some of the people who really believe in us, we have a more diverse legislature now. When I was first elected, I was the only uh, black member in the House of Representatives. Uh, when I left, we had uh, a total of nine uh, in the House of Representatives, and now we have two uh, black members in the state Senate, myself and uh, Senator uh, Tawana Nobles. We have made a difference, and now our voices are being heard. They're being heard because... We believe it's not just a theme, and I heard you mention equity, diversity, and inclusion in one of your commercials. And these are not just words. These are, these are things that we believe in, and we believe in those values. And uh, you're not going to see those things uh, happen in the future. Uh, uh, the leadership of both the House and the Senate are addressing those issues now, and I, I think there's, there's going to be a difference. And there is a difference in the approach to things now. And, and, you know, I, I have faith in, uh, in the folks who are down there serving, especially uh, uh, looking, at, looking out for the best interests of the black community. But I was just wondering if there have been any conversations with the governor or anyone else about what, what can be done to make sure that there's equity, especially for us, because of the fact, uh, you know, a lot of the folks I, knew, I grew up with, a lot of who are not here now, had not been for them, the program wouldn't have been started. Like the late Dr. Arthur Allen Fletcher, who's a Republican, right but also the father of affirmative action. So things have really changed quite a bit, I guess, in terms of the political ideology between the, uh, the, the Republican Party of those days and the Republican Party now. Eddie, let, let, let me just say this. I, and I know you're not a person to, uh, to take victory laps or to spike the ball, but you deserve a lot of credit for your voice. Not only your voice, but you're more than a voice. You're also a person of action. And people listen to you. I know you have a, a great listening audience here on this show, but it's voices like yours that we can go back and we can share with our leadership team, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Speaker of the House 
or whether it's the majority leader of the Senate, they know that these issues matter. And everything we do, when I left the legislature, it didn't matter what policy we brought forward. Uh, the Speaker of the House, Speaker Lori Jenkins, wanted to know, talk to me about the lens of equity. We saw those things through a lens of equity. Where was the equity piece in everything that we discussed? And it takes a while, but we are going to get these things done. Uh, I was, I'll just say this as an aside. We were talking about a transportation package, the possibility of passing a transportation package. And uh, uh, one of the persons talking to me, one of what were some of the most important things? I said the most important things to me are to make sure that when we have these contracts, and we will, we'll be talking about a huge transportation package, as much as $17, $18 billion. Are we going to have the black communities, those minority communities represented? And they said absolutely yes. For that reason, you will get my support and my vote. But your voice has been heard, and I mean that sincerely. Yeah, that, that's great, because, you know, with uh, uh, federal dollars and uh, Department of Transportation, the goal is yeah. to be met by white women or any other minorities. And for, for whatever reason, the prime contractors will not select African-Americans. That, that's just the problem right there. And when they do, like, to, to see that... Uh, Four black contractors went out of business on one DOT project, the, 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 the Seattle Tunnel project. Four black contractors went out of business on that, and there's been nothing uh, for any recourse for them. And I think that's one of the motivating factors where people said, you know, maybe we need to go to the Justice Department to seek uh, some relief because of the fact that there's been this inaction. I just have to tell it like it is. There's been inaction by Washington State Department of Transportation. And they have four blacks who go out of business on one contract. And when that yep. uh, Tudor Perini and Dragados came here, uh, former CL City Council member Michael Bryan says, I'm concerned about their reputation with minority uh, firms and with uh, suing public entities. And uh, the deal watched that guy said, oh, we're not going to let a few issues with minority contractors stop this billion dollar project. And they were actually out of compliance. And uh, uh, Washington was out of compliance, and so was uh, the tunnel partners. But they got into compliance and got the next billion-dollar contract. But anyway, that's just, just an example of some of the things that, that have been talked about and that we hope that the Justice Department look at. And we look forward to uh, your leadership, sir. Now, you also uh, was uh, uh, the speaker pro tem, right? I was. I was a speaker pro tem of the House of Representatives. Uh, and, and again, I, I, I say that uh, I had those positions. It was a great honor to serve, to actually preside over the, the floor debate. Uh, I, I, I came to like that quite well. But, but I just have to go back, and I hope you'll remember this, Eddie. It, it, and again, I know you don't like to take victory laps, or you don't care to spike the ball, but you should sometimes spike the ball because your voice and, and the voice of your listeners, the voice of your listeners are the ones that make a difference because people are hearing us, and they're hearing us now. Uh, and I, I've shared this with people many times. Uh, one of the early debates that I heard uh, in the Senate Law and Justice Committee last year was when a lady by the name of Monisha stood forward and said that the year 2020 gave us perfect vision. And think about that, perfect vision. It showed us the inequities that exist in our societies. That does not go away until we do something. We have to be a, play, a, a, a state of action, and we are getting action in our state now. And you mentioned Monisha. Uh, is that the same Monisha as the senior that's deputy it. mayor? That's her. I love the lady. Uh, she, yeah, she I tell gets you, things done. She sure does, uh, and I have nothing yeah. but hold her nothing but high regards because she does take care of business as a great organizer. Uh, yep, I, I quote her all the time. I, I, I hate to plagiarize, <laughs> but I guess it's not plagiarizing in uh, in politics. But I quote her all the time, and we've we've been re, re, re quoted because of some things that we that she has said. She's great. 
Well, that's good. I know that uh, I think uh, the mayor Bruce Harrell is meeting with uh, the Washington uh, of the Seattle delegation of the state legislature. I right. think they're having that meeting today. And I'm sure that you'll be doing the same thing up in Snohomish County as well with uh, the mayor of Everett and other cities in, in, the, in your district to talk about uh, what their wish list is going to be for this uh, legislative session. Yep, actually meet with uh, the Snohomish County delegation. I think that's tomorrow. But let me ask you this. Could we do any better than Bruce Harrell? I mean, just think about it. Could, could, can, could the city of, of Seattle do any better than Bruce Harrell? What a, what a, what a jewel. <laughs> what a jewel that man is. And the leadership and, and, he's putting together. And I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly with that. And, uh, uh, you know, now, he, you know, he has the reins and he said there's some things that he's going to accomplish. And, uh, and and I believe what he says. So and he have the, he's in a position with authority to get some things done that he said he's going to get done. So he is a man of his word. I, I don't know if I uh, this is a small thing, but I was having an event up in Snohomish County uh, back in 2014, and I invited him up. It was a Juneteenth celebration, and I, I, he said, I'll be there. And, and I'm just sitting there, all of a sudden, I look out in the parking lot, there he is at a high school uh, that we were holding our event at, just a man of his word, a man who is just tremendously inspiring, and I think he's going to inspire a lot of young leaders uh, to get involved in the process. Okay. Now, Senator Levick, if anything big comes up down in Olympia, now make sure you give me a call. Let me know how we can Again. support your efforts and the efforts of the other members of the caucus. I guarantee you I will. Hey, just on a light note, we're going to have a little tiny bill uh, to, uh, to make pickleball the state sport. I hope you'll keep that in mind. This is something, one of those fun things we get to do. You'll be reading about it. Pickleball will be the state sport. We have a state bird, a state flower, a state tree, but we don't have a state sport. So pickleball will be the state sport. All right, then. Thank you very much, Senator John Lovick from the 44th. We appreciate you very much. Always a pleasure, Eddie. Okay, sir. Thank you. Bye. Okay, I just want to give a shout out uh, to Kenny Joe McMullen's family. Uh, he'll be funeralized uh, in uh, in Alabama. He had moved, relocated from Seattle. Also, I want to thank uh, the City of Seattle's Purchase Construction Services Office, Sound Transit, Leslie Jones, Jante Robinson, uh, Donna Phillips, uh, Nikki Croxton, and also me and Rice and Lawrence Coleman, the Diversity Contracting Office over at the Port of Seattle. And I want to thank the folks from Martin Luther King uh, uh, Committee that they're doing all this work. And uh, it is a great deal of work. And right now it's just so tenuous because you don't know uh, what's going to be happening with the Omicron variant. And obviously it's filling up hospitals everywhere. So once again, Eddie Rath, Urban Forum Northwest, talk to you again next Thursday. Thank you, Eric, and we'll talk to you later.